on the UI talk, the main thing that's actually annoying me is we're back to Spotify again and they've added unnecessary curves to every single corner and I hate it because <laughs> it wastes space. The same with Pinterest when they uh, did the app design. They have these random just curves in the corner and it, it's so annoying. I hate it. Uh, look, all you can bank on is that people will get bored and it will change again very soon. That's true. I remember when... Um, it was iOS 7 when they went to that completely flat design and I hated it. I liked the old, what they called the skeuomorphic designs. I liked them. They made sense to me. And I think slowly we're now starting to kind of compromise and have an in-between like with shadows and things like that. And yeah, I think it will all come back. From Press Red, welcome to Functions. This episode is episode five. My name is Matt Blackman. I'm joined by Eli Chure. Hello, Eli. Hey, Mac. Right, so... We did talk about WWDC, but we didn't talk about Google that much, which had their Google I.O. event before. Yes. Did you watch um, much of that? So I saw one of those, the highlight reel, where it's like Google's I.O. event in 18 minutes. So yeah. I got the gist of it. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I guess you watched the same one as me from Verge then. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah. Because I also missed it. I kind of uh, came back and went, oh, th- uh, that happened. And but also, I find the Google ones are not as engaging, so I'd, I'd rather watch the highlights. Agreed. I've never found them that entertaining and kind of, I guess, cringy in a way. <laughs> um, I, but I wanted to talk good, about actually. their weird technology that they announced there. Okay. So they they announced their flip phones, which are yeah. becoming a thing. What's your opinion on flip phones? I like the idea. I like... The utility of it, not being able to smash your screen necessarily, although they have screens on the other side of the shell. Um, but yeah, just, just having a bigger screen in a smaller form factor makes sense. I don't like them. No? <laughs> no. I find that they're too fragile at the moment. I can see them being really good in the future, but at the mm-hmm. moment, that it's not much, is it? No, and they need to get the screens off of the outside. Yes. Like, what are they assuming? That we can't wait to see the screen, so we need one on the outside as well? Well, they're thinking about the old flip flip phones, which used to have the screens on the back saying information, but they weren't that useful, and everyone got rid of them for a reason. So we had flip phones, Mac. I'm going to take you back to school now. When we first got flip phones, I had a StarTech, which is made by Motorola. Have a look at it. And it's a flip phone with a tiny aerial, and it has one screen, on the inside, StarTac Motorola. Actually, I'm going to look too because I haven't seen it for a long time. And you had a screen on the inside, and the beauty of that was you couldn't break it because you just had a plastic shell on the outside. And then I, I remember when I think it was Sony Ericsson first started making these flip phones with screens on the outside. I found we it. We should just go back to having a screen on the inside. It's a great phone, right? Yeah, I actually like the idea of that. That looks quite safe. I, I it makes the main part of it safe, I'd say. Yeah. That's a brilliant phone. If they could do that with a better screen on the inside, I think they'd be really successful because you'd have a certain demographic like builders, for example, who could put a phone in their pocket without worrying about breaking it. Yeah. I mean, they do make rugged phones, don't they? Yes. They're pretty ugly. They are, but they do what they're supposed to. Yeah. Did you also see their kind of new FaceTime technology? It's not FaceTime, obviously, but uh, it's the one that kind of captures depth 
of its surroundings yes. so you can look around things. I think that's really yes. cool and I want that. That looks amazing. It requires quite a lot of gear at the moment, like the yeah. big space and the big screen and whatnot, but that's I'd like to see it in real life. It sounds like one of those those things that you need to experience. I think it's a little bit ominous at the moment. Because mm-hmm. I can't imagine it being used in many places, but I guess a meeting for one person. Well, it would be used in boardrooms, I imagine. Um, yeah. Have you been in boardrooms where they've got those massive cameras nowadays? Because no, I have you know, not. With, but with speakers attached I've seen to the sides. People talk about it. Yeah, I imagine. I was in one just this week, actually, on Thursday. I can imagine them being there and the technology getting better so that you could have groups of people in front of that staging area. What I found interesting was the... Um, <laughs> they always have these little digs at Apple and they're talking about yeah. their... What's the messaging tech... The RCS technology. The messaging technology. And them kind of having these cheeky little digs at Apple for not joining in this standard that you, they have. You, you mean the standard they've closed off? <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, so they've been bragging recently about the fact that they are so open with their standard of allowing yeah. people to phone call and uh, text people openly. But uh, mm. a couple of weeks ago, the latest update announced that they're removing the ability for other companies like Samsung. Well, uh, other companies oh, wow. are using the open source version, not the company version, but the open source version will have to download a phone app and a text app. They can't use mm-hmm. the default one. Oh, right. But they're desperate for Apple to join it. They are desperate for Apple to join it because um, I guess in the early 2000s, when Apple first started releasing the iPhone, they really marketed against those green bubbles. And they they probably didn't need to. They put extra time and effort into changing the color of a bubble because it's a different phone. Mm -hmm. Just so they could kind of go, ha ha, they're not using iPhone. Shame them. Well, yeah, that's that's the whole point, right? Uh, Apple doesn't like to play fair or nicely with anybody else, but it kind of works because it gives people that superiority, doesn't it? I've got a blue bubble. And it's kind of strange because a lot of these tech videos and tech sources we read are American or based in you know North America. And Apple and iMessage is huge over there. Yeah. iMessage is not huge over here. We don't have group chats in iMessage here, but it's a big thing over there. I have never met anyone who uses group chat in iMessage. WhatsApp? Lots of people use WhatsApp, but not iMessage. So that's weird to me. And now it's like, I used to think they're silly for it, but now I kind of feel like, now we're all using Facebook Messenger, essentially, and giving all our data to them, whilst those guys are all on the Apple kind of secure system. Got to try and move my friends over. I want to talk about Meta later because they've done something very interesting recently, but we'll get back to that later. Oh, okay. um, what do you think of the Google Pixel tablet? Oh, is it, where is it? Yeah, uh, the home dock thing, right? That's the one that docks. Yes. So the Google Pixel tablet is a, I think it's like a 13 inch or 11 inch tablet and you can dock it through your kitchen. I think it's a great idea in principle and something that I would probably use. I like it. I'm 50-50 on if I would get it or not because I still prefer iPad OS than um, Android on iP- uh, on tablet, but I like the dock idea and the fact it changes to a dashboard is quite useful. I can imagine that being on a desk or at most likely in a kitchen, actually. Yeah, and I think what they've done psychologically is they know most people are like you and me. I prefer my iPad. 
but I do have a little Amazon, whatever it is, in my kitchen. Um, uh, show, and isn't I would, it? Uh, Echo Show yeah. or something like that. Echo Show Eight, and I, I I compare that more directly with the Amazon Echo Show than an iPad. So I'd be thinking about replacing my Echo rather than the iPad with it. And that's where they're going, isn't it, with the price and the fact that it comes with the dock. Yeah. I can see it being quite useful because I have a, a family member who has an Echo Show. Uh, yeah. I can see this being useful to have both tasks of being an iPad, sorry, tablet and a dashboard kind of thing. Does it have um, their Google Assistant built in? Uh, no, yes, Google. Uh... <laughs> <clears throat> sorry. Shut up, Google. Wow, which voice is that? It sounds really assertive. Uh, that's the <laughs> the male Google voice. Oh, that's hilarious. He sounds almost a bit scared, but also <laughs> assertive at the same time. <laughs> scared he's going to get told off for getting it wrong. Um, yeah, it does have the assistant built in. And and one thing that's got over Amazon, which is I, I think they'll be directly competing with, is it has YouTube built in. And uh, the Amazon ones don't which is pretty crap. They have a very bad version of YouTube built in. Uh, you can go via the browser, I think. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. it. But it, uh, you can ask it to bring up a video and it will bring up that video. Yeah, no one does that. The very big difference between Apple and um, Google's event is they focused a lot on AI during this whole event, didn't they? Yeah, but that's, you know, that's where they feel they can really lead. And that's, it is where it's going next. And I guess for a software company, Apple's not really a software company. No, it's true. For a software company, you need to be seen at least to be kind of leading in that round, don't you? Uh, I signed up for one of their, I think it's called the AI Kitchen or something, as soon as they announced it. I think I've talked to you about it before, but it's just an area where they will send all of their AI tools once they're ready. So I get oh, them okay. first. At the moment, they've got Music LM, which generates bad-sounding music because they have to make it bad-sounding so people can't use it. Um, okay. But it does work, and it's really creepy that it does work. Actually, on the, uh, I guess that's a perfect segue to what we can talk about next. Your favorite subject. <clears throat> Spotify's new DJ what? mode. <laughs> Listen... <laughs> Okay, let me clarify for the listeners. I'm a big supporter of pushing things forward with ML and AI. But when it starts to touch home with music, I get a bit funny. I'm a DJ. That's one of my many things I do. And I really value the 20 plus years of experience of reading the crowd and being able to really uh, turn a night around. And I'm just really worried that, like most things, AI is going to pick it up in seconds and do it better than me. And I'm a bit scared. So, I am also scared in that music area because it's an area that I'm very much fond of. And I did do DJing, Mm. but I gave it up. Okay. Thanks to high school, absolutely ruining that for me. Um, Really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As soon as I uh, did high school, I got picked on it uh, for uh, doing DJing and making music. So, I stopped doing it entirely and I don't do it anymore. Um, Times have changed. <laughs> the only time I ever did it was to get out of doing sports day because I hated it so much. <laughs> I would DJ to get out of sports day. I will say though, with the Spotify thing, I've been using it a lot recently. Yeah. Because it's just good to stick on in the background and uh, does these selections of music that I How may like, but it's not the best. Music? It is not. Does it that. know? 
It knows. Does it kind of get you in terms of your mood or the time of day or how does it work? So it uses your past liked music to determine okay. what music you'd be, uh, you would like to listen to. That's for its past ones because it has kind of uh, multiple different modes. It has okay. suggestion mode, play something that you haven't listened to for a while and something you're listening to at the moment. Those are the kind of three different modes it goes through. Okay. And the mode that I kind of taught it to play the most is what I'm currently listening to and something I would want it to recommend to me because when it goes into my archives of what I've listened to way in the past, I've forgotten how old, uh, how long I've had a Spotify account and how much my taste has <laughs> changed since that point. I don't yeah. agree with it at all anymore. Yeah, but uh, you did like it once. There's something inside you must still like it now, surely. Uh, I don't <laughs> think there's a single part of me that likes dubstep anymore. Oh, yeah, dubstep is is a strange one. It was such a niche that hung around and got overly complicated in such a quick time that people kind of moved away from it. Um, so this Spotify, sorry, does it work on free accounts or paid only? Paid only. Right, it's a premium feature. It is a premium okay. feature, yeah. I mean, listen, this last two weeks, I've been on a discovery journey and I've been listening to my old cassettes and mini discs. And cassette? Actually, cassette tapes, yeah. Um, really? I bought a, a two-deck Pioneer uh, professional cassette deck and got my old cassettes out. And listen, we've got all these modern ways of discovering music, but they're still something about putting a cassette in that you've made you know 25 years ago and being able to fast forward and hit play to see what's next see me and my just unbeatable me and my dad discussed this and we are person the people who buy vinyls because we like the sound of vinyls and we think they look nice and it's it's just a nice experience but we cannot wrap yeah. our heads around buying tape now it is it may have a better quality or a worse quality. I don't really know. I haven't listened to it. But having to rewind it every time. <laughs> well, cassette um, inherently would be a lower quality than vinyl, right? So cassette was the lowest quality out of them all. But it was the way in which the people used cassettes that was different because it's not a playing medium. It's a recording medium. So yeah, I guess. Cassettes, cassettes would be a very social thing. You'd make cassettes for people and give them to them at school just to kind of show them what you're all about. This is what I like. And they'd give you theirs or you'd copy them off of each other. So discovering cassettes is almost like discovering the mood of that summer rather than, you know, discovering an album that everyone would have had. It's very personal. Imagine Whereas doing a vinyl, podcast like that, not doing it digitally at all, having to put it on a tape and then go, <laughs> do you want it? Please like yeah. it. Yeah. Please copy it and then give it back to me afterwards. That would be the thing we do. So if I had the, some of my cassettes I've actually got now that are what we used to call tape packs and they'd be, the quality is really rubbish. And I'm thinking, why is it so bad? But it's because it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And there's a natural kind of degrading as you process these recordings. Yeah. But anyway, the new version is called playlists, I guess on Spotify, Apple music, but still not quite the same because anybody can have any song in a playlist whereas with cassette i might have some songs that you there's no way you can get hold of those songs and vice versa yeah i like that about uh vinyls and older forms of music being able to yeah. discover these music that maybe has been lost to time that's usually yeah. actually quite good or finding the original of a song that you thought was the original yeah but yeah the 
Yeah. But I also use Discovery on Spotify to do that. Find music for me that I've never listened to. But it's not the same, is it? Is that, that This is music that other people has discovered, have discovered or made recent, more recently than that. I think they're space for both. They both can be great. Yeah. And I, I do hate the conversation where it's good or bad. I just really enjoyed finding a cassette and you just experience it in a different way. You listen to the whole song because you're, I don't know why you just are more inclined to, because it's because it's more effort to find the next song. You just listen to it to the end. I will it's not as easy to skip with this current AI, sorry, machine learning Spotify DJ thing. There are some features with it. I don't like, I do oh. not like the voice. <laughs> it is so American and it's uh, so off-putting every single time. You'll be listening to, um, quite often I'm listening to soul music. I recently discovered yeah. this um, band, well, sort of band, like a week before Glastonbury uh, called Gabriel's. They're really good okay. and I've been listening to them. Uh, and it would start playing that on the radio. But after a couple minutes, it would then jump in with this very loud American voice going, I see what you're putting down there. I'm going, okay, <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> because I'm very much used to uh, Radio 1 or uh, Radio 6. Not really Radio 2, just skip straight six to 6. Music, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're, they're more calmer or... No, because Radio 1's more excited and Radio 6 is calm and just enjoying the music they're putting on. So I'd like more options on what voices we could have. I know yeah. for a fact they're not using a, a very famous voices because they're not going to approve of this. Well, they will eventually if the, if the check is big enough, you know. I think um, I think that's this different is in, where the uh, sorry, in the radio world, though. The radio world is about sharing what you enjoy. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, commercial radio, maybe not so much, but six music, definitely. You know, Radio 1, no. No. Six music and shows like stations like that. But this is where globalization has really had an impact on taste and and regionality and regional experience. We like you said, we're British, we're a bit more laid back, um, we're a bit more formal in some ways. Whereas Americans are quite sorry American listeners, but they are quite corny, they're quite cheesy. And their radio and their television is really cheeky, cheesy and tries to be funny. Tell you what I hadn't and, um, even thought about. You just point out sorry um uh, American listeners, you know, sixty-six percent of our listeners are American. Oh, really? Yeah. Howdy, so, yeah, howdy. Actually, sorry. <clears throat> Carry on. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say howdy to all the Americans. <laughs> we, are, we are British. Um, oh, where was I going with this, Mac? Sorry, I lost my train of thought. I'll cut you off. Oh, this is where I was going. So you were talking about the voice and. As you're very aware, this is like phase one of the radio DJ, mm. AI DJ. And I think it's going to go the way that Apple are going. Have you seen the new Apple iOS 17 voice uh, feature? No. So I know, where, oh, I know exactly oh, where no, this yes, idea came I do. from. Uh, the one that uh, if you lose your voice, you've got a recorded version of your voice for just in case. Okay. So you remember the website that had that a couple of years back? Yes. Now Apple, have, I don't know if they've bought into this company or if they've just done it themselves, but that's part of iOS 17. And there's 150 phrases you have to read to your phone or your tablet or your uh, laptop. And once you've read those phrases, you can read them over the course of, you know, a couple of days all in one sitting. 
it will then use your voice for Siri and it will use your voice for dictation and anything you like completely and it'll for be your, able to use all sorts your of your voice for Siri so you can have you talking to you <laughs> yeah so I don't like what's going to happen next you can see this is that's going to be the DJ will be you mm, no I'm not a fan of that <laughs> where else can it go I mean I don't like most the idea tech. of having a conversation with myself or going oh that was a good suggestion me I'd love to be able to tell my personal assistant, hey, um, what's the weather going to be like today? And it tells me in my voice. That'd be great. <laughs> I or would my like sat nav to tell me where to go in my voice. I would like, wow. um, I'm trying to think of the voices. I would like Animac because that would bring back memories because I pretty much mm. uh, listened to Animac throughout the entire time I listened to radio. And Craig mm. Charles would be good voices for it. But I don't think either Listen. of them would do it. I mean, oh, but people who imitate them would, impersonate them would, they'd sell it. Yeah. That's, you know. I mean, Annie I Mac retired from radioing. Right, but not from money. No, I don't know. I, she does a podcast now, actually. There you go. So she still likes money. Um, I, I remember when Tom Tom sat navs became popular, yeah. like 2000. I got one in 2003 for my car and... You could put different voices on, like different celebrities had lended their voices. I'm not sure if it was them or impersonators, but you could buy them. And I bought like Homer Simpson and Arnold Schwarzenegger on my voice, and it would tell me where to go. So I could see that happening again. Get to the chopper. Yeah, exactly. That'd be great. But Homer would say, Don't when you missed a turn. That was quite good. I, you. I remember there being a huge marketing scheme for the Alexas. Of that you can get the voice that you want with it. And I just never saw that. <laughs> I'm wondering if that's just an American thing that they only had it in America or they just lied and never did those voices. Yeah. Very interesting. I have a couple more features about the Spotify thing I think they need to improve, such as the voice mixing, because the voice is always louder than what you're listening to. You've got to kind of time it with turning it down as, oh. like, as soon as you can see the graphic appear on screen for the um, that little AI guy, you got you just got to go turn volume down quickly. Otherwise, he's going to be that, much louder than the music you're listening to. That's not a lot of fun. I don't think I'd enjoy that. No, I don't <laughs> There's like no that option. I think they might have done an update that? recently that fixes it a bit more because I, I've been having to turn it down a lot less. But I would yeah. still like it to be an option that you could control its volume separately. So you can choose what volume you'd like it to be. Yeah, that's interesting. They haven't got that right because I've been looking for new gear lately, audio gear. And what I'm noticing, a trend, podcasting has changed audio interfaces, yes. I think, forever. Um, so a lot of professional Sorry. audio interfaces for, for yeah. music <laughs> has started to include these kind of podcast features, even though they're music type interfaces. Audient do one now with loopback for example but they've also got this auto gain feature so you don't even have to set your gains anymore it's using some some type of learning to determine what a correct level is for this type of recording and i'm surprised that's not included in something like spotify yeah yeah as i say very soon you're not gonna have to have had any experience or any skills to be able to make a great recording and i don't know if i'm happy about that or not I'm not happy about that. No. It does open it up more. Like, YouTube 
pretty much opened up content creation to everyone, didn't it? But yeah. you still had to put some effort into it. And the, the, yeah. the more and more they make this easier, the more and more we're going to get tons of people signing up. But that's going to hide the people who actually put the time and effort on things. This is why I don't like TikTok. Because TikTok, people go on, they do something to a song and get tons of views. And that's it. Yeah. Meanwhile, back on YouTube, you have to keep a recurring system, got to keep it going to get money and get monetized for anything you do. Yeah, and I, I guess the content does matter um, and what you create does matter. But what I would argue is that TikTok um, success for most people is short-lived, whereas if you build up something on a platform like Vimeo or YouTube, you're more likely to have sustained success you there might was, not ever reach the peaks of a tiktoker but you'll it will sustain there was a bit of a scare um beginning of last month ish i don't remember if i mentioned this in the last podcast episode but uh youtube was going to stop doing youtube shorts i but so not working out before i uh, before anything else like this spreads anywhere i only ever read one article on it and we've gone past the date so it made me okay. panic, and then nothing's happened. So either that article's wrong, or YouTube changed their mind. Right, okay. Yeah, i check your source on that one. Yeah. But it wouldn't surprise me, because Google have been known to switch things off because it wasn't working out as they thought. And, you know, as a knock-on effect, lots of people lose their jobs. But that's the kind of thing they do. I was a huge hater of that type of content, though, until I tried it on YouTube. And when it started picking up on views much like faster than the rest of my videos and it actually diverted the traffic towards my channel, it's probably the reason why that video got a thousand views is because of yeah. the shorts and people getting directed to my channel. So I like shorts now. They help me. Well, essentially they're trailers, aren't they? They're yeah, previews. I've been treating them like trailers. That does also remind yeah. me halfway through this recording in about, oh no, in a couple of minutes, I upload a video about that okay i've got the review of the nothing phone and i've been absolutely anxious about it because i want it to get the same amount of views just to put the time and effort into it make it feel <laughs> worth it although i'm not happy with how it came out but we'll get back to that some other day cool um i have like one more thing about the spotify thing is i think it needs a control panel between each uh like every time that he, the voice comes on i think it, instead of having this graphic of the voice, it needs to be smaller and it has to have controls underneath. Because I'd like it to have a rating system for what you just listened to per section. And a um, a slider of how old to new you want the music. I see you have a major problem here. And the problem is you want too much control. And they want it to be set it and forget it and there's not going to be an agreement there I don't yes think. but yeah. when you tune into a radio station if it's a radio station you like to tune into you usually pick based off genre or time this will allow you yeah. to pick that time period of your listening to so it's still randomized and allows you to tell the AI what you do and don't like <laughs> good luck <laughs> they're not going to do that yeah I know I just can't see it makes me sad it, 
it's and then and then you get to the point of well, why do you want if you want so much control, why don't you just do it yourself? And there's that kind of threshold I think you're crossing there. You want kind of partially uh, AI and partially self uh, manual. Hmm. I wanted to talk about Twitter, but I don't think we're going to have enough time. So we'll just, I'll have a brief little annoyance of I hate Twitter again. Yeah, I think everyone does. Isn't the character limiting? No, their views, you've got like 600 you can view a day, tweets. So they've limited how many times you can tweet in a day and they've limited how many uh, kind of pings you can get a day. So that's how many, yeah. uh, li- like with the Reddit thing, that they're limiting how many pings a SDK can get. With this, it's limiting how many pings the user can get. Yeah. Which has been incredibly annoying. And I I think I've left it. I I, I only went back to Twitter. So a couple of months ago, I said I was going to leave Twitter. And then I went Where did you go? Blue Sky? I did not go to Blue Sky, but I'm signed up for that so many times. I still haven't gone on. Okay. Because I'm desperately trying to get onto it. About the, the day that I first saw it, it come up as an article, I signed up for it, and that was about mm-hmm. two months ago, and I still haven't got it. I'm annoyed. Oh. But, um, yeah, so uh, a couple months ago, I made a Mastodon account saying I'm leaving Twitter and I'm staying on Mastodon. But the problem is I was still getting uh, some of my views from Twitter to YouTube. So I had to kind of right. go back to advertise stuff and then you get kind of get hooked back in and you're doing the exact same thing again. But if I can't physically look at the content I want to, and that's primarily product releases and new bits of technology because that's what I'm like. I like following news. I'm not going to use the platform that blocks me from using what I want it to, u- uh, to use it for. Yeah. And I think the whole kind of digital world has got... A- uh, being a bonnet about this as well and i think uh something new will have to emerge that people gravitate towards there was an article i read afterwards that was very interesting of the timing of this is with an article that came out in 2018 uh, where google and twitter signed an agreement that they would use google servers for half the work of twitter and right. the day that this announcement of how many pings uh, you got i think was the first of this month, so, okay. uh, those that that agreement ran out the thirtieth last month. Ah, right. Okay, so now they're kind of struggling for basically for space. Yes, which is very interesting. Mm. I do think many people are going to be leaving, and they actually closed off at the moment tickets to getting into Blue Sky. But pretty much the biggest hashtag at the moment on Twitter is. Blue Sky tickets. Because <laughs> they're just sending tickets out and many people are trying to get in as possible, including me, yeah. but I've missed them all. But that's my little Twitter okay. rant. Because we should probably get on to the main two topics. Because we have we're, this was the intro and it's been 30 minutes. Wow. I know. Got a lot to talk about. WWDC follow-up. Is there any... Uh, parts of this that you want to go into because I have I, I, these are all notes that I made but I hardly ever ask you what any notes have you got well <laughs> for, in terms of follow up I've just been watching the, the beta releases or the beta releases of iOS 17 I think that most interests me 
in terms of the M2 stuff, I mean the M2 um, MacBook Air, again, that's still on my list of things to buy. But I don't really have many other thoughts about it, really. I'm not buying the headset. As someone who doesn't own anything Apple anymore, well, I do, but the last thing I own is from 2015. So, hey. Or maybe 2015. In tech years, ancient, yeah. Um. I've been focusing a lot on Vision Pro, and I'm fascinated by it. I've been listening to podcasts about it, reading about it. But the thing I'm most fascinated by is the UI and how it's going to work. I watched mm. the developer conference afterwards, uh, which I've forgotten the name of now, which I don't usually watch, and they, uh, how okay. all of the uh, how it all it's all going to work. And it's very interesting because we've got multiple different ways an app can run. You've got the yeah. window one, which is just a basic flat window, possibly with some 3D stuff on it. And then you've got volume, which is fully 3D apps that you can okay. use within a box that you've set. And you go around and you can move stuff in it. Or you can okay. combine them together. Or you can just have an item that moves around. Okay. It's all very interesting, but the most interesting is how developers are using it at the moment and planning for it, because the SDK came out last week or the week before, and I've just been following people on Twitter, surprisingly, looking at what they have been working on. I thought that Apple had made developers, uh, not promise, but maybe sign something to say they can't show screenshots of what they're making. I didn't hear that. I wouldn't be surprised if Apple would have done that, but I think because they released this SDK openly to developers, any developer, because they need... It's going to be like with um, the Apple Watch or... I'm trying to think of another product. Or the iPad, when they quickly had to get everyone to make apps for these platforms. Yeah. Like Apple Silicon, they've done that. It gave everyone a kind of little test device, didn't they? Yeah. So, with the Vision Pro, I've been uh, looking at interesting ways people have been thinking of how they're going to set it up. Mm. And one thing I've found very interesting is location-based tracking. Okay. What I didn't know with Vision Pro is that you can set up a location with these apps that will always open when you're there. Okay, so they picture people moving around with this thing. I, I guess so. Okay, because mine would always be like living room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> turn so on the. You, you know. got the living room. You could have a uh, a chat or uh, something next to a live stream, either on the screen or on the TV. Who knows? And then in the kitchen, you could walk past and you can have an article of uh, cooking ingredients. Although I can't imagine yeah. cooking with the Vision Pro on your head, but good luck with that. I can. I think that could be one of the useful applications for it you know you look at things and it says you need a little bit of this ingredient i think that'd be quite cool the coolest thing i have heard of so far was someone implementing walkie-talkie with a physical walkie-talkie well a a digital one that you would hold in your hand (laughs) what i think that's really cool or uh, another app that set up uh, who's thinking of setting up timers that you place around the room so you can keep them in that location. So when you go back there, just tap it. <laughs> but 
technology to me always comes back to efficiency. I use technology to be efficient. What's the most efficient way of communicating for walkie-talkie? Guess what? <laughs> Talking. Get a walkie-talkie, um, yeah. or push to or push to talk on your watch or whatever device you have. It, I'm still really struggling to find the core everyday use for this thing. I've heard a lot of people talk about how they don't think the Apple Watch will integrate with the Vision Pro. But I feel like if they want to go anywhere, it it needs to. Because it's going to be a perfectly good tool for enabling things, maybe acting as a mouse, or as you said, like a walkie-talkie. It's just a great tool you could use alongside the Vision Pro, I can imagine. I mean, it's obviously a tool for your phone, but who says you can't use it for the Vision Pro? Yeah, uh, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. But, you know, as it as it comes down in price, again, Apple's got that wow factor. All it's going to take is a couple of slick adverts and someone on TikTok to be using it and we'll all want one. And when it gets cheap enough, we'll all get one. I have also been looking at how Apple have designed their UI because uh, along with the SDK, they've released pretty much just a version of the Vision Pro that you can just mess around with. Okay. And I don't like it. I don't like their UI. They, they seem to have hidden some bits, like the volume yeah. adjuster or uh, the guest mode button. Uh, what's that called? That's the control panel. Uh, I don't like where the control panel is. Yeah. It's on uh, the top. Would... So you look up and it's there, right? I don't like it. <laughs> but it's it's these things, they're, they're fluid. They're not releasing it for a year, are they? We'll, That's true. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Do you remember iOS? I remember when I, first, I, got, I got the very first iPhone in January of 2008, got it imported from America, and it was, the iOS was just static. It didn't do anything. But at the time, it was great, you know? That, it will evolve. It's version one. Yeah, I just feel like the control panel should actually be at the bottom, near that bar that you move. If you just off-centered the bar and put that control panel next to it, the control panel button next to it, it would be nice. Yeah. Kind of like how they've done with VR in Steam and Oculus. They have all the buttons that you need at the bottom-ish. So it's not that far to reach, because don't forget that it's both eye and hand contact. Yeah. And both of those are going to be easy to remember, especially with your hand. That's going to be easy to reach out because it's got multiple different ways of input. It's got touch, um, eye, mouse, cursor thingy. And what was the other one? Oh, a, a actual voice. controllers. And, and, oh, and voice. Yeah. So that's four different ways. Mm-hmm. You sound like you you're, you really want this, this Apple headset. Are you planning on getting it? I can't get it. It's a thousand pounds. That's More than not- that. It's 3500 Yeah. I, I can't say I would buy that. Plus, I'd have to buy some sort of other Apple stuff to set it up, wouldn't I? What's the problem with Apple? No, it's, you, can't, it's independent. you can't just go, not, uh, go one Apple thing and not the other. I mean, that's your... Ch- uh, the only actual Apple device that makes you require another one is the Apple Watch. Um, it used to be... the. I remember when the iPod first came out and you had to have a Mac for it to work because it was Firewire. But um, this one apparently is going to the headset's going to be independent, have its own OS, and you won't need to. So you of, don't need of, to s- to set it up with your phone. No, it would just be completely independent. I thought the entire time that y- you'd have to set it up with your phone. No, it's got its own OS, its own. So it's got the free chips in it, right? It's got the M2, which yeah. I don't think it will ship with. 
It's got the really? the new chip. Yeah, I think it will ship with an M3. If it's coming out next year, there's no way it comes out of an I, I don't think they can do that. Why not? That will mess up all of their currently like planned stuff. They have made an entire design around the M2. If they suddenly change the processor without changing the rest of it, who knows what can go wrong? Plus, they've actually showed it in the design. I feel like it would be a, a, a waste of time to uh, and pointless to put the M3 in. Put the M3 in the next version. Or, it, if it takes so long, put it in the, uh, the M4 in it. I don't think you need to put the M3 in it. Well, we'll have to see, won't we? We'll see. Yeah, I, I can be wrong next year when they announce yeah. it again. I want to uh, talk about a hobby of mine. And this is kind of in the WWDC and, and an excuse for me to fit some other stuff in. A side <laughs> hobby of mine is I like UI design, and that's a very nerdy thing to say. Uh-huh. But I generally find it entertaining to try and make the most ergonomic and easy-to-use designs. I des- in fact, designed yeah. a, a website for uh, Press Red that I probably won't use in ages. But it's there. It's made in a virtual imagination. Okay. Uh, but I don't like the uh, Apple's UI that much either, because I have for, for which device? I have a, I have a main bone to pick with it. I don't like curves. Wait. Okay, what in a UI? I don't like curves in the UI. It's a waste of space. I think small amounts of curves it's okay, but when you mm. entire, especially with app icons, that really peeves me off. At the moment, yeah. I have an Android phone, and I remember uh, I did an update on my Google Pixel 3 where it went from square to circle, and I <laughs> don't understand why. It, yeah. in fact, cuts off the icons most of the time, and I just hate oh, curved, uh, so circular icons. Please put, uh, yeah. give me an option to have non-circular. But uh, yeah. that's my same bug with the apps on the Vision Pro. They're all circular-based. And in fact, the icons are also cut off in the UI design, uh, sorry, in the settings at the moment. That can change, but wouldn't it be easier just to not stick circles on it? (laughs) The thing with Apple's design and and the kind of rounded, as I look at my dock, the rounded um, app icons, they all all kind of uh, reflect the design cues from the hardware. So as you look at the hardware, the curved corners are kind of just like the apps. And I think subconsciously it kind of feels very like a one thing. And their whole their whole approach is, is one design, is one platform. It all works together every time. And I can see why they choose that. And with Android, it's a bit different, isn't it? You know, no, yeah. your hardware never reflects what your software does. And unless you've got one of these... um what they call the Android phones, the Google phones, with the tensor I, chips in them. So, yeah. I would say out of my favorite virtual UIs at the moment, it's the Steam one because I'm such a fan of Steam, but really because they don't use that many curves on it. On the UI talk, the main thing that's actually annoying me is we're back to Spotify again and they've added unnecessary curves to every single corner and I hate it because <laughs> it wastes space. The same with Pinterest when they uh, did the app design. They have these random just curves in the corner and it, it's so annoying. I hate it. Uh, look, 
all you can bank on is that people will get bored and it will change again very soon. That's true. I remember when, um, it was it iOS 7, when they went to that completely flat design and I hated it. I liked the old, what they called the skeuomorphic designs. I liked them. They made sense to me. And I think slowly we're now starting to kind of compromise and have an in-between, like with shadows and things like that. And yeah, I think it will all come back. I realized recently I might be the only person, apart from Johnny Ive, who liked iOS 7. Really? I loved iOS 7. Oh, I remember when that horrible. update came out and I was like, oh, it's all flat. It all looks nice. And then I, oh, I went hard. online and everyone hated it. And I went, oh, I'm alone on this. <laughs> it was like walking into like a, a surgeon's kind of tool station or something. It's horrible. I think looking back on it now, I don't like the UI. I prefer the current UI. But yeah. I still like that change that they took from that skeuomorphic design before. I was never a yeah, fan it, of that. They just went too far in one direction, and I think they've you know they've found a happy medium. Let's jump on to topic two then: film production. Because I've been paying attention. Uh, they had the Cine Gear twenty twenty three event recently. Oh really? What's that? So this is the first time I ever heard of it as well, and it's just a convention for all of these cinematographers and uh, people who work in the industry where they announce all of their technology they can so use I'm in these films. So in California or something? Oh, yeah, I just found it. LA. Cool. It is really interesting, and I want you to click the link for uh, the variable density diffusion flag because it is a diffusion <laughs> flag that you can adjust the thickness of. Okay. It is Hold amazing. On. I'd have thought something like that would already exist. Hold on. Diffusion flag. Where's it's called Active Diffusion from Lumen Oh, Arc. yeah, I see the link. Okay, they're, they're, they're not so. cheap, I'll give you that, but they are really cool. The fact that they can change the strength of them. I thought it was going to be like an actual kind of analog adjustment where you turn something and it kind of filters it, but it's some kind of digital diffusion. How does that work? So it kind of has the same technology as variable diffusion where it has kind of slits that it can move those adjustments uh, over to close down how much light gets through. But it also has the technology behind those glass panels that you've seen. I was going to uh, say they, that, yeah, there's windows. It goes yeah. solid and then see-through. It's a combination of all that technology. There's a really good video on it. I'm not giving it justice entirely, but I wanted to bring your awareness to it because I thought you'd find this very interesting. And it makes sense that it'd be shown at something like this uh, expo because, you know, if you're going to spend two and a half grand, most independent filmmakers would rather just buy a couple of different levels of density than, yes. than have to, you know, adjust it like that. But if you're in a, you're on set and time is money, that's going to save time. So I can see that being successful. But it's great. I mean, look at what tech can do now. That's amazing. I also want to talk about a video I watched yesterday. I don't know if you've watched it. It was MKBHD's new video. I watched it because it had the um, Nothing Phone 2 on it, and that's coming out. Oh, I saw the thumbnail. Yeah, I saw yeah. the thumbnail. And I looked at the thumbnail really closely because it's got the backs of both on, and I was struggling to see the difference. There's a couple of gaps in some of the lines, and that was Yeah, that, that's pretty much it, and there's a line instead of a dot where they have red pies. But I'm, yeah. I'm still going to watch that event when it comes out fully because I'm a Nothing Phone user. But yeah. Uh, what I really want to talk about, though, surprisingly, isn't that, but it's the XR stage. XR stages have been used in Mandalorian. 
and yes. uh, 1988. And for, for Love and Thunder. And for Love and Thunder, yes. Terribly uh, in Thor Love and Thunder. It is a place I would love to work at one of these stages. They're, they're amazing, fascinating bits of technology. And this yeah. is the first time I have watched someone really explain the technology behind it and mm-hmm. the new improvements they've made to it since uh, watching Mandalorian. Because with Mandalorian, yeah, there was a sorry, there was a documentary I think that came out on BBC on BBC on Disney Plus when the Mandalorian came out, talking about the technology, and they had some of the people behind the scenes. Yes, uh, there's one I also particular lady, that. yeah, who was talking about it, saying this is the first time kind of post production is involved in production because they're kind of matching colors and light and stuff. So what's improved? So the really cool thing is that it can shoot with up to eight cameras. Okay. Which it, c- it couldn't do before because it was using one perspective. And yeah. uh, it has to track that parallax effect behind it. Yeah. With this new system, though, it uses... like We'll go for the simpler version of two cameras. At two cameras, the screen is two, uh, 120 frames a second. Right. And so each camera is shooting 60. at 60 frames a second. Yeah. But each camera is di- uh, on a different time. So one yeah, will so shoot it's, it's, when the other one isn't. It's like the old VHS system we used to have, right? Where you have progressive scanning and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that alternate take. While one is recording from one's perspective, changing the background of where it's seeing, and then you've got the other camera shooting from a different perspective, also changing the background of what it's seeing. But for the human eye, you don't oh, see wow. it. Right, okay. So then when it shoots more cameras, it just doubles the frame rate every time? Uh, yes. Or adds, well, adds another uh, 60 frames on it? The frame rate of the screen, I think, goes up to 280 frames a second. Yeah. While the cameras would have to... Uh, if the, if you're doing eight cameras, you've got to put them down to all to 30. And they've all got to okay. uh, be timed correctly. I mean, you've got to be a real shoddy team and planning team and director to have to use eight cameras to shoot a scene yes you know you should really be able to shoot a scene with a camera or if you want coverage three cameras eight cameras jesus one thing i've always found interesting about these displays is i much much more prefer them to green screens green screens have their locations and times that they can be useful but i've always mm-hmm. seen them as a hindrance i i like at uh college my friends mm-hmm. love to use the green screen and I usually avoid it because I find that the green screen is too difficult to mess around with unless you know what you're doing to key out it exactly so there's no green spill and it looks accurate. Don't mess with green screen. Leave it alone. Yeah, it, the problem with green screen, especially on a low budget level, like you're talking, is the preparation, getting it set up right, getting it lit correctly. Um, getting your distance between subject and background correct, those kind of things, which we don't take the time to do necessarily. This screen fixes those problems, but it costs too much to do that. Yeah. Well, if it's essentially, it's a, what we used to do, we, what the film industry used to do before green screen, which is painting a set. Yeah. And then you sit in that set, but now it's a digital paint. And that's the most simplified way to do it, to explain it, you know. And now the light interacts and the angles interact, and that's that's... That's the main difference. Whereas uh, green screen was taking a different approach of 
fill fill the space later. So now for the performers, for the directors, for people on set, they can all be in the scene, which is great. But I'm telling you, Thor looked terrible. It was horrible. It was the worst. Yeah. It was worse than green screen. Uh, there was I think they leaned on it too much. The new Fall of Love and Thunder was also a new technology in that as well. Yeah. To do different times of speed, which was really cool. They, they uh, had a camera that would shoot uh, these lights from uh, every direction so they could have changed the timing of the light. Really cool. But You'll have to send me this link if you can to wherever, wherever you watch. I'll have to watch that. I can't remember where that is, but I'll have a search for it. I want to uh, mention one more thing. I was going to mention the fact that Marvel's new intro is AI-based, but we can leave that for another episode because that's going to take too long and we need to talk about that in fully depth. Do you know about Marvel's- that? Do you, need, do you mean Secret Wars? The Secret Wars AI, yeah. Uh, the oh, not Secret Wars, um, Secret Invasion. Yeah. Have you seen it? I saw the first episode last night. So the intro is AI-based? Yes. I loved the intro. We sat down and said, me and my son, like, this is a really good intro. The music, the visuals. There's a really huge good. controversy on it at the moment because I believe they hired someone to do it and then just did this AI thing instead and then used that. Oh, well, I love it. But I want to uh, talk about, because this isn't really a show stuff. Uh, we don't often talk about shows, but I want to recommend a show because it was such a good show to watch. But first, okay. I must check. Do you have Apple TV? I do. Have you watched Silo? No, but I know season two just finished. No, season, um, uh, well, season one. Oh, I'm seeing Silo season two reviews popping up. Why am I seeing that? Maybe that's something else. Well, it's announcements that they're going to do a, a season two. Okay, haven't seen it yet, though. Is it good? It is really good, and I can't say too much about spoiling it because I, you have mm-hmm. to go and watch it. But it messes with your mind a tiny bit, and you spend the entire time trying to piece the puzzle together, like watching Lost. Okay, yeah, I liked Lost. So I highly recommend watching it, and I just feel like okay. it hasn't quite got as much of a reach as it possibly could have because it's on Apple TV, which is a great platform. I really like Apple TV. And one day I'll have a full-on discussion about all the streaming services. But I don't think that's this podcast because Eli might find that boring. <laughs> Apple TV is great. It's, um, I think it's doing what it's supposed to do. And luckily for Apple, they're nearly a $3 trillion company, so yeah. they can just afford to do it in the way that they want to and they don't have to kind of sell out as much and they can stick to what they want however they just need to give it away free as an added extra i think why not okay should we call it a day here i think we went a bit over time for you but meh um you can check out eli's work on his youtube channel at wtka or follow me on at macblair at mastodonapp.co.uk you can send your questions to us on twitter for not much longer at Press Red Pod. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Functions. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.